everyone. My name is Josh McCormick, and this is Salud Talks. People across the U.S. are preparing themselves for the next round of COVID-19 vaccinations as more and more booster shots become available. While hundreds of millions of Americans have been vaccinated, many still are hesitant or are refusing outright to get the shot. This controversy is causing strife between family, friends, and many others. Today, Claudia Pineda, a physician's assistant in New York, and Dr. Katia Corrado, a researcher with the Lundquist Institute, join us to discuss why the conversations we have are so important and how we all can do better to communicate with one another. Um, Something that I think would be interesting to hear about, um, you both being providers, can you share some insights into what you're seeing um, in the folks you're treating when it comes to vaccination hesitancy or even those who, you know, are unwilling to get the vaccination, you know, kind of sharing the story that um, illustrates to folks, um, even if there's a story where, you know, some unfortunate consequences kind of came as a result of some of this hesitancy. Okay. Um, right now, actually, um, with the second wave starting, um, and Dr. Harada and I spoke before, and we talked about the fact of the frustration that us as providers are having dealing with the second wave and the fact that a lot of patients are not vaccinated. And in my office, the people that I'm actually seeing that are coming with positive COVID that are very sick are those that are unvaccinated, unfortunately. Um, and I, I have one that now for two weeks is in the ICU, and he was intubated. Um, and and it's, it's striking and it's very sad because when we do tell them that they are positive COVID, um, they're begging for the vaccine, you know, and at that point it's just, it's too late. So we try to, to speak to our patients and tell them these stories and say, listen, yes, you know, the ones that are vaccinated, we had about two or three that were positive COVID, but completely asymptomatic versus the ones that refused the vaccine and now are very ill and at the hospital, some of them, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree with Claudia that um, really the the, the sadness um, during this era where we do know what we need to do or what we can do to protect ourselves, right? So wearing our mask, getting vaccinated, and that protects you from dying of COVID-19. It doesn't protect you from getting COVID-19. And unfortunately, those who have waited for whatever reason to get vaccinated are the ones who are suffering the most in the hospital. Um, We're seeing a lot of young people coming in very sick and young people, I'm talking about 30s, um, 40s. Typically, we don't see this population being hospitalized with respiratory infections. And what is even more heartbreaking is the young pregnant women that are coming in and not doing well. So, um, the the women for various reasons including you know not wanting to harm their baby didn't want to get vaccinated but unfortunately um if they don't survive baby doesn't survive either so that that is just a really heart-wrenching thing to see because during the first wave or during you know pre-vaccines we had nothing to we, we had nothing right now we, we're living in an era where we do have a form of protection that anybody can get, anybody 12 and older. For sure. Yeah, and I I think that's a really great place to start because um, with this hesitancy 
that people are experiencing, I think it's also really important um, for those that are listening that maybe are hesitant. Can can either or both of you share um, maybe a story about how you've seen in your clinical care the vaccine make a big difference in someone's life or, you know, go to save lives? And I know this is kind of maybe a hard question to ask because once you get the vaccine, you know, the positive results are just not getting the, the illness. But maybe someone who was really scared about getting it or someone who had an autoimmune disorder or something like that. Um, I actually had a patient yesterday who is a patient that suffers from a lot of allergies and, you know, um, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis. She's had a few anaphylactic reactions in the past, so she was very apprehensive to get vaccinated. Um, on the same token, she is originally from Honduras, so she really wanted to go back home and see mom. You know, she has an elderly parent at home. Um, so she was stuck in this place where, yes, I know that I want to get vaccinated, but I'm terrified because of the fact that I had complications in the past. So we spoke to her and we guided her and we said, listen, we understand um, all your concerns. And ideally, let's send you over to a hospital setting to get your vaccine. This way, if God forbid there is a reaction, you're the right setting, correct? Everybody that knows what to do will be there and um, we're going to have all the life-saving equipment to help you. And I just saw her yesterday and she was so excited because she just came back from Honduras. Um, she got to see mom, she was vaccinated, everything went well. She said, I felt so safe to be at the hospital setting and the doctors were all ready to go just in case, but thank God it, it wasn't needed. It didn't need to use the equipment. Um, so I think that was a, a wonderful success story. And I was telling her, you know what, maybe I'll sit you in the waiting room and speak to that handful of patients that have the same fears as you. So you could tell them your experience. And I think that sometimes we forget that we have, you know, the hospital there that they could give a vaccination to take away some of that fear of you thinking, you know, well, what about if I'm at the Rite Aid Pharmacy or what about if I'm in a mobile COVID uh, vaccination center and something happens. So just trying to get them to go to the hospital setting at that point to help with those fears and that anxiety as well. <laughs> And I think it's it's really important for our patients to know that we are offering things that we believe in. So when when I talk to patients and when I say, listen, um, I am vaccinated, my household is vaccinated, my mom and my husband actually participated in the AstraZeneca clinical trials um, even before we had any approved vaccination. So this is how much I trust and I believe in our science um, and, and how good the vaccines can be. But I do recall a patient, and, and I normally see a lot of HIV positive patients, so they're in a proportion of the community that can be a little bit more vulnerable, excuse me, vulnerable to um, having certain reactions. Um, and so this, this older gentleman um, from Mexico, so he got his vaccination. He then traveled to Mexico and he was in a, um, he was fully vaccinated and he was in a house that had like 23 people come by to, to, you know, be part of the visit. And he comes back and he tells me, doctora, he says, everybody in that household got sick and I was the only one who was vaccinated. And he was telling me how two or three people ended up in the hospital, two or three people ended up on ventilators. And he's like, I am living proof that this vaccine works. He had a mild respiratory symptom that went away very quickly. And he was so excited to share the story. He's like, let me tell the story to all the other patients who won't get vaccinated because I am living proof that this vaccine works. So it was really wonderful as much as you know, we, we talk to patients to get them to convince. 
to get the vaccines. Once they do get the vaccines, they realize, oh, okay, you're doing this to protect me. And oh, okay, it works. So it's nice to have them come back and kind of be the champion for vaccines themselves. For sure. Um, and, and you both work with, you know, different at-risk communities. And, and I'm wondering, and maybe this kind of question can go both for other healthcare providers and folks who are trying to convince their family members and friends to, you know, get the vaccine. Um, in, in your work, how are you both trying to tailor your, you know, normal healthcare providing messaging toward multicultural communities, especially those that, you know, really need to get the vaccine that have seen higher numbers of infection and death, uh, things along those lines. So for me in the office, um, like Dr. Corrado said, is, you know, we were very um, pro-vaccine. So we also let the patients know how much we believe in the vaccine. Um, you know, I have a 12-year-old daughter also who, as soon as Pfizer was approved, she went in and got the vaccine herself. Um, so we, we try to reiterate all these things as well. Just the fact that you have to get vaccinated. And I tell, especially like the younger, uh, uh, my younger patients, I tell them, you know, we are a very tight culture, right? We have mom, we have dad, we have grandma, grandpa. So I tell them the time, yeah, in reality, maybe if you get sick, you'll be okay because you're a young, healthy person. But think about grandma, think about your great aunt or think about your cousin that God forbid, you know, you come and you see them and you bring COVID to their house, right? So right to your door delivery of COVID. So if you're not going to do it for yourself, take away that selfishness and do it for somebody else in your family whom you love. Um, so I, we try to speak about that, the fact that culturally we're very tight unit. And if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for mom, do it for grandma, do it for, you know, everybody else within your family and your community. Right. I mean, Claudia raises such a, a wonderful point that um, it's you really have there's not a one stop answer or one, you know, one answer that will get all people to say, oh, okay, well, vaccines are what we're supposed to get, right? For some people is community, for some people is making sure their family members are safe. Um, it is, it's always been about, at least from the healthcare provider side, um, not shaming people for the misunderstandings or for the myths that they believe in. It's about creating that conversation, that space where it's safe for them to ask these questions that they may be scared to ask. And so in the clinic or wherever I go, I always encourage any questions to be asked because I tell them, I'm like, listen, I, I am the person who is paid to know all this, um, all this information, right? I don't expect you to go and read the medical journals. I don't expect you to know exactly how this was done or that was done, but I know. So come and ask me. And if you trust me and, and hopefully our relationship has evolved that they do trust me, um, then they will take my answers as truth. Right. And so I think, you know, all of us, including, you know, Claudia and, and all of us in the medical profession, we pride ourselves into um, um, practicing evidence-based medicine. So we don't practice for, for example, the ivermectin that everyone, the horse, right, um, the warming medication that, that people are, are thinking about, that is not proven and that's not FDA approved for the treatment of COVID. And so there are things that we can say and say, listen, these don't work. These have not been proven to work. The studies show that these work. And so let's talk about what can be number one for prevention, i.e. vaccines and face masks. 
And then number two, what we can offer for treatment. Yeah, for sure. And, and I want to come back to that point about shame, right? Because I think that something that we're seeing a lot, um, especially right now, is that there's this sense of justice, which is, I think, very well justified, right? I mean, people are losing loved ones. People are um, suffering at the hands of this illness that is ongoing because of those who aren't willing to, to take the vaccine. But I would love to hear from both of your perspectives as a healthcare provider when you're trying to meet communities where they're at, kind of like you're describing, trying to um, hit them at the points they're going to best get them across that line. Um, could you both speak to how this kind of shame-driven messaging that a lot of people are having, especially on social media, can um, almost go to hurt the cause of getting people vaccinated? Yes. So I, I have this discussion um, because in New York, um, they're actually rewarding people for the vaccine. You know, if you get a vaccine, you get $100. Um, and, you know, it gives more ammunition for people to say, um, looking at the other way is this conspiracy theory of why are they paying us is because the government wants to control us and this. So, you know, I was saying to my colleagues, I wish that instead of them taking this money to pay people, they would have done almost like a COVID mythbuster. You know, bring up that TikTok video that said, you know, there's a chip that's going to track you. And now we have a scientist and so we have Dr. Dr. Carvalho right next and say, no, 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 it does not work like this. Let's talk about this. And then actually spending the time and money on demystifying all these videos that are out there that people are listening to so people can make a better educated decision on getting the vaccine. Because what I find is that a lot of the people that don't want it is because they're listening to these things. And, you know, these videos that come out sound so well-rounded and informative and people actually take it and memorize it and like spit it right back at you. And, you know, I tell a lot of my patients, listen, I don't have the numbers and the statistics like you memorize them, but I could tell you that's wrong. So I said, I wish there was this series called, you know, demystified <laughs> anti-COVID or something of such sort. And I think something like that would help us even more as opposed to, you know, just attacking people is really just more of an education that we definitely need. Right, Joshua. It, it's, um, as you mentioned, as Claudia mentioned, is meeting the people where they're at, right? And so um, not only that, but also having trusted sources. So people who come see Claudia trust her. And when she says things, they're very likely to say, okay, my provider told me this, I'm going to trust her because I have a history with her. Mm -hmm. So going, making sure that you're the, the people that you are looking for to leadership and advice are people who are actually educated on the subject. And that, that's really hard to do, right? Because it, you know, you get all sorts of mixed messages in the media. So if you um, happen to be a Democrat and you listen to Biden and, and what's going on there, you're like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to get vaccinated, of course. But then if you happen to be Republican and you listen to all the other messaging, you know, your your trusted source is saying, no, don't do it. It's all government, blah, blah, blah. So it's it's very difficult nowadays to um, to find that trusted source. But what I hope is that many of your listeners do have a medical provider or are able to go to say resources like combatcovid.hhs.gov, where we know that the information that is given there is actually true and knowledgeable. Um, 
but really there's a lot of, you know, being able to speak multiple languages, being able to do outreach in communities that are much smaller. Um, I'm actually later on today, I'm doing, a, um, you know, a panel in for the Asian community. And so even though I'm not Asian, I'm, it's really important for this message, not only go to Latinos, not only go to you know, white Americans or black Americans, it's all, all Americans need to know about this. Um, gosh, I'm going to go even, you know, bigger and say the vaccines need to be available for the entire world because this is a global pandemic. So again, being, um, being humble enough to understand that people may have different reasons why they are um, hesitant to get the vaccines and being able to explain the reasoning why you're advocating for it is really important. Yeah, for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and something that we love to ask all of our guests um, are for our listeners who are sitting here wondering how they can take um, action, right? Um, some, and you've mentioned a couple of things, right? Um, but maybe could you give our listeners maybe one or two concrete steps that um, that they could take today in order to help, um, you know, get others vaccinated, whether that's in their personal lives or in their community as a whole? I think being open about your vaccination status, especially if you are vaccinated, is really helpful. I have heard from numerous people, especially the young people, young Latinos, who do get vaccinated and they come home and their parents are like, wait a minute, like, I don't, you know, what? But then they see that their their child is doing well and they see that they're, you know, they're fine. Um, they're able to go get vaccinated as well. So being very open about your vaccination status and, and um, you know, you're not going out and fighting people and, and yelling at people. But, you know, when people ask, you're like, yeah, no, I, I've definitely been vaccinated. So like I said before, I tell all my patients I'm vaccinated. My nurses are vaccinated. My whole family is vaccinated. And I would never allow anything bad to happen to my family members who I love and also, I want you to get vaccinated for protection. Yeah, and I, I, I feel the same way, sharing the experiences of vaccinating, vaccination. Um, in our office, we also have our uniforms and we had them embroidered, hashtag vaccinated. So, you know, the patients can know. Um, my daughter, the 12-year-old, she had me, you know, take pictures of her getting vaccinated and posted it on the social media because she wanted, she was so proud to serve her part. So I think that's the biggest thing is letting people know, you know, you're, you're doing your part. Even if it's a grain of salt, we're getting a little closer to where we need to be. And we all need to take part in this. Yeah. And then also, so sorry, Joshua, and also helping people um, get to trusted sources. Like I mentioned before, I, I know, yeah, you know, there's various websites, the CDC website, the Combat COVID hhs.gov website it's also in Spanish, by the way, for people who have people who only speak Spanish, combatecovid.com hhs.gov. And so making sure that, so for example, if you hear something that your theas are saying and they're saying, oh, you know, we heard blah, 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 and the chip and the, you know, the metal, blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, well actually come with me to this website and we'll look it up to see if it's true or not. Right. So guiding them to the appropriate resources is really helpful. I think. Hashtag Mythbuster. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Um, I have one more question on my end. Um, if either one of you have um, something you'd like to talk about, um, you know, while this next question is being answered, um, same thing goes for you, Mary Beth. Um, just just speak up afterwards. But um, as it's uh, 
Hispanic Heritage Month is is starting. Um, I was wondering if maybe you both could provide um, our Latino listeners with a sort of encouraging message, right? Like why it's important for the Latino community at large um, to step up and be the leaders for vaccinations during this time. Um, I would say because of our culture, we're a very united community and we are a strong front if we just stick together. I say all the time, if Latinos stuck together, we will run the world. You know, we have the passion, we have the drive, we have the charisma, and together we could really defeat anything, including the COVID virus. No, that's very true. I, I would say, Joshua, that um, people don't have to go very far to know that the statistics for the Latino community is very grim, right? We're the most likely to get infected, we're the most likely to get hospitalized and, and die of COVID-19 for various reasons. And so in a pandemic that has hit our community so hard, being able to support um, the science that is there to protect us is really important. And so most of us come to this country, and I'm an immigrant myself, I'm from Peru, and so um, most of us come to this country wanting to be better, right? Most of us were brought by our parents because they want us to be better. So my father brought us here, I became a physician, I am part of the community, I am part of these clinical trials because I want to make sure that my people are taken care of. So it's, it's really important to understand that it's not us versus them, because them is also part of you. I am part of you, and I am here to tell you that these vaccines work. I'm here to tell you that you have to trust uh, the medical system to make sure that we're doing everything to make you as healthy as you can be. So this extends beyond the vaccine, right? So when we go to our doctors and our doctors tell us, hey, our eating habits need to be better because you have diabetes and you're going to have all these complications, I'm going to trust that my doctor, my provider understands a little bit more about this than I do. Hey, you have to take your blood pressure medication or else you're going to have a heart attack or a stroke. Okay, I will take those medications because I know my provider has studied her entire life to make sure that she's doing right by me. This is exactly the same. Yeah. Well, um, those were uh, the questions that I had on my end. Was there anything else that I didn't ask that you wanted to discuss? I do. I do want to make a plug, Joshua. Um, yeah. Not a plug, I should say, but I want to make sure that our community understands about clinical trials um, and not to be so scared of them, right? So clinical trials are what we do in not only this country, but all countries that we do when we have to study a new medication or a new vaccine. And so when we are doing these clinical trials, we are not experimenting on you. We're not using you as a guinea pig. We're not um, saying, oh, let's see if something bad happens to them and then we'll, we'll give it to the, to the white people, right? <laughs> That's not how clinical trials work. In clinical trials, when we have done many years of studying of what we need to study for that medication or that vaccine to happen, um, we, during the actual portion where we're enrolling patients, it's really important for Latinos to be represented in the clinical trials so that we can make sure that the treatment, that the vaccine, that the prevention works in our people, 
we're not all the same. There's different genetics, there's different things, you know, um, life circumstances that put us at different risks. We want to make sure that our population, our Latinos are represented. So I then, and Claudia then can turn around and say, hey, this vaccine, 30% of the people in the clinical trials were Latinos, they did fine, it works for us as well. That's what's really important to, to transmit, I think, to our, our uh, community. Yeah, I just want to add one thing. Um, one of the one of the new things that I started to hear now that they don't want a vaccine is because of the booster. So they're saying, well, now there's a booster. I mean, this is crazy. This is unheard of. It doesn't work. And I'm like, we get a flu vaccine every year, right? Because the virus changes. So please, you know, it, it doesn't mean it doesn't work because there's a booster. We ha we do boost, you know, flu vaccines every year. We do a tetanus booster. Um, it just, there's plenty of vaccines that need boosters and it doesn't mean that it's not working. It's just this virus is smart enough to be changing and we have to do the same thing. So that's just, just a little point I wanted to add because I've been hearing that a lot as well now too. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Thank you guys so much. Thanks to Claudia Pineda and Dr. Katia Corrado for joining us on this episode. To learn more about their work and this episode, visit salute.to slash salute talks. Salute Talks is produced by Tenoch Astacadal, Josh McCormick, and Julia Weiss. It is executive produced by Dr. Amelie Ramirez. The music heard on this podcast is produced by Bonus Points. Find Salute America online by visiting salute-america.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and other social platforms at Salute America. Watch our award-winning videos on YouTube by visiting salute.to slash video. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen. Thanks for listening, and as always, we hope you enjoyed.